excellent. So let's just open our Bibles in Psalm 23. <clears throat> For those of you that joined us this week, weren't here last week, we are looking over the next, well, today and next week as well, we're going to be looking through the rest of Psalm 23. We started it last week. Psalm 23, a well-known and beloved psalm. We might just need to take that down slightly. Yes. Um, so let's just read the whole psalm again, and then we'll be focusing on some of the verses. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want him. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yet though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. Father, we just say thank you for your word. Once again, Lord, we're just coming to, to listen to your voice once more. It's a beautiful psalm, Lord, that was penned 3,000 years ago, Lord, but Lord speaks to us in these days. Lord, help us to hear your voice this morning, to apply everything that we learn. Take us there, Lord. By your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. And so we're looking at the, the imagery, some of the imagery that we find in the scriptures. And we said, we kind of established last week, that when you read through the Old Testament, mainly the Old Testament, you find a lot of interesting language to describe God and the character of God. And uh, we, in 21st century Western society, we like these uh, these ambiguous terms sometimes, you know, to deep philosophical terms to describe what God is like, you know, and we, we kind of argue about what those terms mean, but when you come to the scriptures and you read through lots of the Old Testament, you find pretty straightforward, easy to understand language. You find God being described as, for example, a rock. God is my rock. God is my refuge. God is my fortress. The Lord is my Shepherd, shepherd, and of course, when we're thinking about that, we think about the imagery of the shepherd. We need to leave our 21st century Yorkshire Dales shepherds images of the, the, the shepherds on the Yorkshire Dales behind, and we need to try to go back, you know, back into biblical times to understand the relationship between the shepherd and the sheep, the shepherd and the flock. You see, there was a very close relationship between shepherds and their sheep. And we're, we're reading the words of, of one that was a shepherd. He was literally a shepherd of the flocks out in the hills around Judea, the Judean wilderness. That was his reality. That's where God prepared David to be a king. And kings are also described as shepherds. They're meant to be shepherds. It's very sad that when Jesus comes, he looks at the multitudes and he sees them as sheep scattered without a shepherd. You know, just as Ezekiel prophesied in Ezekiel 34, there would come a time when God himself would shepherd his people and bring his flock together. And that shepherd, my friends, is the Lord himself, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And so David, 
David, King David, he pens these words, the Lord is my shepherd. Or the Lord is my shepherd. Where's the emphasis? There's so many ways we can read this, aren't there? Because we don't hear the tone that he was using. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Oh, and how he understood what it was to be a shepherd. How he understood what it was to spend days and weeks out in the wilderness, on the hills, facing dangers, navigating those that difficult terrain. And uh, we will look at some more photos in a while of the particular area in which David shepherded. And you can see you needed to be a very skilled shepherd to be able to, to navigate that difficult terrain. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. We saw last week how when we think about green pastures, we think about you know lush green fields, as we said, the Yorkshire Dales or whatever. But actually, David's reality was different. Being out in the Judean wilderness, and if you visit the Judean wilderness today, as God willing, some of you will, very shortly. But if you visit the Judean wilderness today, you will see there's no difference. There's no changes. You'll see how, how difficult, how dry, and how arid that terrain is. And, uh, you know, very, very little rainfall. And the, However, you don't see the lush green pastures that we imagine. What you will see, when there has been rainfall, you may well see some shoots and, and, and some, what we would refer to as green pastures, on the hills. But the fact of the matter is that that is not the reality throughout the whole year. About six to seven months of the year, there's no rain in Israel. So everything becomes dry and scorched. However, there is moisture in the air coming in from the west, from the Mediterranean. And that becomes the dew, if you want, in the desert. And you will see shoots of, of, of grass just coming up between the rocks. So when David is speaking about green pastures, he's not necessarily speaking about you know, a field of green Pasture, okay, lush green pasture. No, he's speaking about the shoots that grow up that are few and far between. And so, very often, we learn that there are times where we just have enough for that particular moment that we're going through, that particular season we're in. We just have enough, and we depend completely upon the shepherd to show us where the next part or portion is coming from. This is the type of relationship that exists between the Middle Eastern shepherd. And his flock. And so when David speaks about the Lord being my shepherd, we need to bear these images in mind. He leads me beside the still waters. We talked about the wadis. The fact that, you know, during the summer months you can have creeks that are completely bone dry. And if you're not careful, you know, you can be deceived by these creeks, these, these wadis. I'm not going to say anything where it is in Frank laughing. <laughs> But if you're not careful, friends, when the rains do come and they come up in the mountains, you know, these, these, these wadis, these dry wadis, suddenly become raging torrents of water and become very dangerous. It's not uncommon to hear about, you know, hikers who have been caught up in flash floods and washed away and killed by these things. And any kind of agitation in the water, the, the sheep will not be at, be at peace, they will not feel comfortable, they will not rest, they will not lie down and rest. So the sheep, the, the the, uh, the shepherd, he needs to know, he obviously being a skillful shepherd, he knows the land, he knows exactly where to take them, to maybe with assistance, or where there are pools of water, and of course he knows where the springs are, there are natural springs out in the desert. And so he, he navigates the terrain, he takes 
his flock with him and he knows exactly where he wants to lead them. But you, you can understand, as you see the flock moving through that kind of terrain, you understand how, how dependent they are upon the shepherd. That's the point. That is the point of this psalm, friends. That is the point of this psalm, that, that David, who himself was a shepherd, understanding that relationship, that dependency, he wants to, he wants to just demonstrate that, that the Lord is his shepherd, and the Lord is our shepherd. And in the same way that his flock were able to depend upon him, and his skills, and his care, so we are able to depend upon our Lord and His love and His skills and His care. Amen. The Lord is leading us on this journey. You've heard the voice of the Good Shepherd calling your name. That's why you're sitting here today. You've heard Him calling you out of the darkness and the uncertainty of this world. And you've decided to go on a journey. And that journey was on one voice, friends. Just a voice calling your name. And you stepped away from everything that was familiar to you. To take steps on a journey that you do not know where and what kind of terrain you're going to go on as you walk this journey of life. You don't know what's lying around the corner. You don't know the challenges, do you? You don't know what's ahead. But you trust Him. Every step is a step of trust. Trust Him. And we said as well, we said, you know, it's one thing to believe in the Lord. It's another thing to trust Him. And relationship requires trust. If there's no trust, there's no relationship, right? And that is exactly what we've been called into, to relationship with the Lord who is our shepherd. And so, verse 3, he restores my soul. We talked about that briefly last week, we're going to talk about it again this week. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The first thing that we see this morning is that the Lord leads us in all righteousness. He leads us in all righteousness. Praise God. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Now, I just wanted to bring up the first image for us this morning, Jared. That's the one. Can you just without make out the flock who are travelling on the paths, the tracks, okay, on the hillside? It's very interesting. As I've said this to you last week as well, but as you drive up from the region of the Dead Sea and Jericho, and you're riding, driving up towards Jerusalem, which was David's backyard, you're going to come across, there's a lot of, of uh, uh, hilly terrain. It's, as I've said, it's very dry, it's very challenging, it's arid, it's, it's difficult terrain. But you, you'll see on the hillsides, you'll see a number of tracks. They're like lions. You know, it's like somebody's got the garden fork and just dragged them across the side of the hill. And I, you know, I was looking up and watching and thinking about these things and thinking, well, how did they get there? And lo and behold, as you look and as you keep observing, you'll see the Bedouins out on the hillsides with their flocks, with the flocks walking along these tracks. And so I want to suggest to you this morning that when David speaks about the paths of righteousness, he says he leads he, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I want to suggest you that he's referring to these paths upon which the fox would walk across the hills, following them. I mean, that's, that's just a beautiful illustration, isn't it? It's a beautiful image. You know, you see it there in practice. You can see that these, these sheep are just following. And uh, once again, um, you, you will see the sheep, very often all they're doing is they're just looking down and just going with the crowd. Just going with the rest of the crowd. 
Well, praise God. Praise God. He restores my soul. David says, he leads me in the paths of righteousness. And I want to suggest to you there is a, a relation between the, the restores my soul and leading me in the paths of righteousness. You see, when we speak about paths of righteousness, what are we talking about? We know the Lord is our righteousness, isn't it? The Lord is righteous. Praise God. He's righteous. And to be in relationship with Him, as our good shepherd, means that we will walk the straight path of righteousness. Righteousness in terms of our relationship with God first and foremost, and then righteousness in our relationship with one another. There is a path that the Lord would want us to walk upon. That path is the path of righteousness. Righteousness, holiness, in the way that we live, in the way that we act, in the way that we speak, in the way that we conduct ourselves. This is the fruit, friends. This is, what, this is the fruit that determines whether or not you have truly been born again on the inside. Because when you've been truly born again, when you've truly heard the voice of the shepherd calling you out from the darkness, he's not just calling you out from, from the darkness of the world, he's calling you out from sin and rebellion. And he's calling you onto a straight path, the path of righteousness. And the fact is that in order to walk out on this path of righteousness, you know and I know, you need to keep your eyes fixed on that shepherd. You need to keep your eyes fixed on that shepherd. You need to keep your ears open to his commands as you walk on the path of righteousness. Hallelujah. Praise God. But the Bible says here, just before it says, he restores my soul. He restores my soul. What does he mean by restoring my soul. Interesting word in the Hebrew to restore. Uh, it actually here it means to, to turn back. To turn back. So let's say he turns back my soul. The word soul, nashi, there, is the word for life. Not just like the immaterial part of you. We always think about that, don't we? Talk about the soul, we're thinking about some kind of immaterial part of us. Actually the Hebrew word means for whole life. You see your whole life is affected when we wander off the paths. And that's the truth, friends. And the, the, the fact of the matter is, if we're not careful, if we do not do everything we can to stay on that path, listening to the voice of the command of our shepherd, and our eyes fixed upon him, it's too easy for the sheep to wander off the track. You see, because many times, all, like I said, if you watch sheep, all they seem to do is get their head down, and all they're doing is thinking about themselves and what they need. I, 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 I. <coughs> Just feeding themselves, eating. Because that's all they're thinking about. That's all they're worried about is what they need. And how many times when I look at my own life, you know, have I acted in a similar fashion? Hmm? And like I said, if you're not careful, you're so focused upon yourself, and you're so focused upon your own needs. If we're not careful, it's too easy to stray off track, isn't it? You can stray off track. God help us. However, the Bible teaches us that he doesn't simply let us go and he's indifferent about it. We know that the good shepherd comes in search of the sheep. He comes in search of us. Maybe you know what I'm talking about this morning. And then he restores my soul. He turns me back. He turns me back to the right path when we wander from it. There's a lesson for us this morning in that. And you know, one thing I've learned about this, about this path of righteousness and people that wander from the path of righteousness, very often it's a process. 
It's not that they simply wake up one day and decide, I'm not having any more of this and walk away. No, there's a process. There are a number of things that will lead us to deviate from the path of righteousness. There are a number of tactics. We'll talk about the enemy shortly. But you know you're, in, you're engaged in a constant battle with your enemy who wants to take you out of that path. He wants to take you out altogether. He wants to finish you off because you're just a sheep. <laughs> but you're following your shepherd. Interesting that the distance between the shepherd and the sheep determines the potential for danger. Did you get that? The greater the distance, the greater the danger. We need to stay close to our good shepherd. In every season, no matter where we are, what we're doing, no matter how confused it might seem, we need to stay close to the good shepherd, to hear his commands, because we simply do not know enough about the terrain we're in, or the path that we're walking on, to do it ourselves. We depend totally upon him. The greater the distance, the greater the danger. The principle applies in our lives. It's when we allow ourselves to become distant from the Lord that we fall into trouble. And again, like I said, this can be a process. It's when you're battling with yourself to keep walking. It's when you're a little bit disillusioned with something. Maybe with church, maybe with people at church. Things you're going through. Okay, and things are not maybe working out in the way you thought they would. And, and, and you might be disappointed, you might be offended by somebody or something somebody said. And then what happens is, is you don't deal with that and get over that and crack on. It plays on your mind and it starts to poison your mind. And then you start to easily deviate, you lose interest. And you lose the motivation to come, oh, I can't be bothered today. Oh, I ain't spoken after you, sit at home, it's better to sit at home. I ain't got the motivation, I ain't got the drive, I ain't got the interest. We need to be careful. That's exactly what your enemy wants to do with you in order to separate you from the flock and from the shepherd principally. We need to be, you know, disciplined in ourselves. What is it that will drive us off, off course? Pride, stubbornness. Maybe these things may all lead us astray. But it's interesting when the sheep realizes that it's lost, it becomes paralyzed with fear. He doesn't know how to get back. How many people have I spoken to, you know, that have, for one reason or another have left their flocks, left their churches, gone, oh, I'm well, 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 you know, just reading God. You're not alright on your own. We're not meant to be on our own. We're meant to be part of this flock. We need one another, friends. How many people, you know, just sitting at the top and offended and just don't know how to come back to the flock, whether it be through pride or whatever? <coughs> How many people have isolated themselves or are struggling? But the good shepherd goes looking for the sheep. Praise God. However, as they sit there, they start bleating. That's the right word, bleating. Bleating. <laughs> they start bleating. And so the shepherd's looking for his sheep. But the trouble is, so are predators. And the sheep are bleating, they're making themselves incredibly vulnerable. They are vulnerable anyway, but they're bleating. And not only does the shepherd hear the voice, but also the predators hear the voice. We need to be careful, folks. We believers find, sometimes find ourselves in similar circumstances spiritually. We need to keep our eyes fixed upon him. But praise God, he's the one that when he does find us, he leads us back. He restores us. One of the names of God is, is Yahweh Rapha, 
the Lord who is our healer. He heals us. He rofeka. He heals us, his people. The Lord is our healer. Exodus 15, verse 26. Hallelujah. And he says, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's for his name's sake. Now that's very interesting. That's very interesting. As you look out on the, on the hills today, and I am referring now to 21st century Western Europe, you know, the Yorkshire Dales or the Welsh Shores, wherever, you will see there is an identity marker. Usually, you know, I don't know, a blue circle or something that identifies the sheep of a certain flock, right? Which says, this, this sheep belongs to that farmer, should it be lost. And you see, the fact is that we, as the Lord's sheep, we bear his name. We bear his name. Now, it's interesting that part of the Lord's commandments, the Ten Commandments, is that we shall not bear the name of the Lord in vain, right? We shall not use the name of the Lord in vain. And actually that, that refers very much, it's not so much about you know, saying bad words, although we shouldn't say swear words and so on, but it's actually by, by representing the Lord in the wrong way. Because we bear his name, we, we are, his reputation is at stake if you want as, as people look to us. We represent the King. We represent the Good Shepherd of our souls. And he says, for his name's sake, the Lord will come and he will bring us back out of that wilderness and he'll bring us back onto the paths of righteousness where we've strayed, whether it be through pride, stubbornness, you know, immorality, whatever we've done. When we're bleating to be saved, he will come and he will rescue us as his sheep. He'll bring us back onto the right path. He will restore our life. He will turn us back and he will heal our wounds because sheep get wounded as well on this journey. He will heal us for his name's sake. Why? Because we bear his name. We are God's kingdom on display, if you like. But also, the name of a person in the Bible reveals their character. And if the Lord is indeed the good shepherd, then there's no way he's going to leave his sheep and be indifferent about it. That's why he says in the parable of the shepherd, and the lost sheep, he says that he left, left the 99 and went after the one. Why? Because he's a good shepherd. His reputation is at stake. Do you understand? Hallelujah. Praise God. And so he will not leave us indifferently. He will not leave us to our own devices just to try and get ourselves sorted out. The second thing that we learn, it leads into this nicely. He never leaves us. He never leaves us. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You are with me. Praise God, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You see, one thing that we do have, we do not have many guarantees in this life, do we? We don't. But one thing that we are guaranteed is that the Lord's presence with us. No matter where we are, where we're going through, the Lord has promised to be with us. Will you just show the second image, please, Joe? Thank you very much. <coughs> when we talk about the valley of the shadow of death, there are those who identify this valley as a specific valley in Israel, in the Judean wilderness. Again, looking at the landscape, you can get an idea of the kind of terrain we're talking about. 
Well, here we have a valley, and uh, this is what we call, it's known as a valley count, alright, and it's very close to the road uh, that uh, led from Jericho up to Jerusalem. So it's the same road where we hear that the, the story from Jesus, part of the Good Samaritan took place, okay? You can see we've got the valley. It's a valley of about, it's about five miles, four and a half miles long, if you like. There are some, uh, um, what are we called, canyons. I think we call them canyons, another word for it. There are some canyons that are so deep. You know, they're very deep. This one isn't so bad, but there's some that are very, very deep in places. And of course, you've got the valley, and you've got the, 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 the sun that beats down and casts its shadow over the valley. Which provides shade, of course, it's beautiful in the, in the middle of the wilderness, right? But it's also the ideal place for ambushes. It's the ideal place for predators to wait and to ambush the flock. It's a place of vulnerability. It's a place of danger. And I know we're all rather be between being on the hillsides on those tracks of righteousness where you can see all around you, aware of your circumstances, you're aware of what's around you, and walking through this valley, you know, where you're surrounded by, by high rocks and so on, so many places, potential hiding places, where you could be ambushed at any moment. And remember, the sheep, they have nothing to defend themselves with. They depend completely upon the shepherd. Yes? There are no sharp claws that they can kind of swipe at the people. There are no, no jagged teeth that they can sink. Praise <laughs> right, They are completely vulnerable. And, and, and there are times, friends, I don't know about you, but there are times on this journey with our good shepherd where we can feel as though we're going through the valley of the shadow of death. We're going through the valley of the shadow of death. It's different. It's, it's darker. Actually, one of the ways you can translate this from the Hebrew is the valley of deep darkness. Out on the hills, you've got the sun beating down. You've got plenty of light. You can see all around you. In the valley, you've got no idea what's coming. You don't know what's around the corner. You don't know what's hiding in the shadows, what's lurking in the shadows. Once again, your eyes are completely fixed upon the good shadow. And you may well be asking yourself, why on earth has he brought me down this path? And I can imagine the flock, when you're going through places like this, the flock needs to huddle together a little bit more, doesn't it? You know, and sit very close to the shepherd, knowing that it's only the shepherd that is able to protect the sheep. We all sometimes pass through seasons of darkness. Think about your life. Think about the things that you've gone through in this life. There's always been moments, seasons of darkness. It can be for several reasons. Maybe it's morning. Maybe, maybe you're mourning the loss of a loved one. Maybe you're disappointed. You're hurt. You're depressed. Whatever. You feel intimidated. You feel vulnerable. Suddenly you realize we're not superhuman beings. Even though we have the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob living within us. There's still that tension that we're in this world and bad things happen to people. Even Christians filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And even though we're following this good shepherd, sometimes we go through some stuff. Sometimes we have to walk through deep 
don't work at valleys. And you're not what you're asking, I don't understand why I'm in this valley. I can't see around me. I don't know what's coming. I feel intimidated. I don't feel comfortable. It's out of my hands. I wasn't counting on this. Nobody warned me this would happen. I don't feel like I'm much of a conqueror, more than a conqueror right now. I feel as I'm just looking towards my shepherd, just waiting for something to happen. Hallelujah. But as we've said, we've got very few guarantees on life's journey. But one of them is the constant presence of the Lord through it all. He's with you. He's with you. And friends, that's why we have to learn to trust the promises of God above everything else. We have to learn to trust His promises because we don't always feel as though He's with us. Because sometimes, the truth be told, it doesn't matter how many years you've been walking on this journey, how much you think you know the Lord, how much you think you trust Him, there are things that come at us that throw us completely off course. Like the curveballs of life that come at us and catch us out, don't they? And then suddenly you don't see yourself feeling that, that, that lovely, fuzzy, warm presence that you get sometimes on a Sunday morning when we're singing and worshiping God. Sometimes you've got to make yourself, you go into your, into your quiet place and you raise your hands and on the inside you're crying your eyes out. But uh, you've got to some, just trust Him and worship Him and keep praising Him. The valley of the shadow of death, He is with us. He says, I will fear no evil. Don't say, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. You are with me. He is with you this morning. No matter what you are going through, no matter what you're facing, He is with you. And you know the thing about valleys? As you walk through these valleys, they're not forever. It might take you a while to get through the valley of the shadow of death and what it held if you want. To get through that kind of valley. But there is a way out and you do come out on the other side. And let me tell you, when the Lord's walking you through these things, He'll bring you out on the other side. You will come out on the other side. You'll come out different. You may look back and think, oh, that was tough, but I'm here. And many of you are sitting here today, you know what I'm talking about. Through life. This is what the Lord said through the prophet Isaiah to his people Israel. Isaiah 43 verse 2, 3a. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flames scorch you. For I am the Lord your God. Hallelujah. He's with you. Praise God. He said he'd be with you when you pass through these things. Not only takes you around them, not only you don't have to face them, but when you go through these things, he's saying you will not be overwhelmed. I'll be with you. You may feel as though you're going to be overwhelmed at times, but you won't be. Because I'm your rock. I'm your rock. I'm with you right there. Right there, no matter what you're going through. I'm going to bring you through and you're going to come out different. You come out stronger. In Jesus' name. Jesus said, Matthew 28, verse 20, to the disciples just before he was to depart. He said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Hallelujah. And imagine, you know, the Apostle Paul as he was being stoned or he was being beaten as he was going around doing the things of God and you know, proclaiming the gospel as he was sitting in the inner chamber, you know, locked up with, with Silas there and in the Philippine jail and whatever, and knowing that the Lord was with him no matter what. And that's why they could sing out at the midnight, they could sing out the praises of God, friends. Hallelujah. New Testament Christianity, that. New Testament Christianity. Praise God. Finally, He shields us. He protects us. 
from our enemies. Hallelujah. <coughs> yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They comfort me. Wow. The rod and the staff, probably the same object that was being used for different purposes. However, we know that the shepherd also was very good, very competent with a sling. You know, David with his sling. And apparently some of these guys, you might even see if you watch the news, you might see, even see sometimes some of the Arabs that using the slings and throwing their rocks at the Israeli soldiers and everything. They're quite accurate with these things. However, David says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There is a difference here, there is a distinction I'm going to talk about. There are two different words here, the rod or the shavet, a small club used for beating away the predators. Remember that David fought lions and bears to protect the flock. David was out in the hills of Bethlehem with no one else watching. No one else was there, just himself and the flock. And he was right there where God was preparing to be the shepherd of Israel. And he was right there where he used to face down bears and lions that were preparing to face Goliath. Remember big Goliath? Who terrified Saul and terrified the whole community of Israel. Well, you know, David was ready to face Goliath. He said, I'll face bears and I'll face lions. I'm going to face this uncircumcised Philistine. It's going to be the racket. Yeah. God was preparing it. You know, the battles and things that you go through very often they're to prepare you for greater victories in the front. Ahead. <coughs> So he talks about the, the, the rod, he also talks about the staff. The staff is very interesting, and maybe you can just show me that, uh, just show that third image there. A typical image, right? You've got the, what do we call it, the crook? Is it the crook? Good. Excellent. So you can see the crook there in the, in the, in the shepherd's hands. And uh, the wonderful thing about this is it can be used, it can be used as a weapon to fight off predators, but it can also be used as a corrective instrument. Okay, a corrective implement that we're, these sheep, as I said, it's so easy for the sheep, they're just looking down all the time, they're worried about their own needs, easy to deviate from the path, easy to fall and get themselves into trouble. And I guess if you've ever seen, I've never seen it, but if you've ever seen a sheep lying on its back trying to float itself back over, it's a problem. Right? It's a problem. And so, very often what can happen is the shepherd can come with his crook and he can just lift, put his crook around like that sheep. Like lamb or whatever, and lift it out of the, the pit that it's in, the problem that it's in. It's also, as it's wandering off, it can simply reach out and it can bring it and pull it back in, can't it? You know, the wonderful thing about this is not only does the Lord protect us, the Lord corrects us as part of his flock. The Lord sometimes corrects us, the Lord sometimes disciplines those who he loves. The Bible says it. Proverbs 3, verse 11 and 12 says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Praise God. Isn't that wonderful that God loves you enough to correct you? So sometimes we need to, we need to just be aware of the fact that he will correct us. Sometimes we need to come under that rock, so to speak, you know, so that he can correct his people. But the fact is that the, the, the David does not perceive this in any way of shape or form to be a threat. He says, you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The fact that, you know, I'm walking through this deep and dark valley, I don't know where we're 
growing, it's intimidating, it's difficult, there are many dangers on the way. But Lord, I'm looking to you and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I've got nothing to defend myself with. You know, I'm not, I'm not that superhero, but you do, you've got that rod and that staff that comforts me. In other words, I'm depending completely upon you to protect me, Lord. I remember some years ago, the first time we went to Brazil for it, and the, um, the mayor of, of the Calabriba, at the time the mayor of Calabriba, he found out that there were these two British guys that were going to Brazil, and he, he wanted to get himself some publicity, I think he knew I was going to. He knew he found out we were coming, he wanted to get some pictures to put in the paint room and things. So he took us. He, we went, do you remember this, friend? He took us to that huge rubbish tip that used to be outside Calabriba. And uh, there were people living on the rubbish tip. And they were also got a project and they were building some homes for these people. So we wanted to put some stuff in, in the newspaper to show, you know, all oh, British missionaries and one thing and another. And anyway, we went with him and I just remember, you know, it, it was a dangerous place that we were going into. It was a dangerous place. It's near the favela in Calapacuibo, there's some dangerous people. And I just remember these guys, the two guys that were with him, and they both got like their nine mil browning pistols with them. Like, and I'm looking and I'm thinking, you know, because first time in Brazil I didn't know what to expect. And then just looking at, as we got out of these, the car, and these guys were like this with their hands on the pistols and just looking around. And I'm looking at them just thinking, I feel safe. I feel safe. Because I've got nothing to defend myself with here. You know, that's the idea, guys. That's the idea. As you're a sheep and you're in the flock and you're following the shepherd and you're thinking, I'm done for. If everything comes out those shadows, those, 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 those rocks or whatever, I'm a goner. But then all you're doing is you're looking at the shepherd and you're seeing the snappers in his hand. You know that the shepherd will step in and beat back those predators. And let me tell you something I've learned in, this journey, in these types of journeys. There are times where I've engaged with the enemy. And, and it, can be, it can be difficult sometimes. I think you know that. And we can get injured as sheep. We can get injured. But you know, it's like the Lord draws a line. Thus far and no further. It's like, a, it's like he steps up, you know, and, and we may well have been attacked by the, by the, by the predator, the enemy, but then the, the shepherd just steps in and beats him back, so that's it. Enough. I've seen that time <coughs> and again. And it, it, you know, I'm not, what I'm trying to say, I'm not trying to diminish the, 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 the seriousness of an engagement with, with the predator, the enemy. Because he can inflict damage on us, he can. Inflicts wounds upon us, but the Lord always steps up because what He wants to do is to kill you, to wipe you out completely. But the fact is, there are many of you here you carry scars, yes? You carry scars from battles, and you may, you know, you, you may not feel the pain of those scars anymore, but they're still there, aren't they? Engagements with the enemy, but the fact is that you're still here. The fact is that you can look back. And you can glorify God and you still, you know, again, you're not diminishing how difficult it was. It was hard, but the shepherd saved you. You're here because he's a good shepherd. Praise God. He's with you. He will not leave nor forsake you. Hallelujah. He will lift us up when, he needs to lift, when we need to be lifted up. He will correct us when we need to be corrected. Praise God, because he's a good, good Shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, I will not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He
He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Amen. Praise God. I hope you have captured the imagery there. And I hope the Holy Spirit has applied it to your particular life this morning. We've seen that the Lord has a right path that he will lead us on. And we must stay, we must fix our eyes upon him to follow him on that path. Secondly, we've seen that we can be sure, we can be assured of his presence in every season, in every circumstance, in every challenge, no matter what he's with us. Praise God, he'll bring us through. Hallelujah. Finally, he defends his own. He draws the lines of battle. He sets the, the, the limits if you want. And he rises up against our enemy. You know, when the enemy comes in like a flood, he raises up a banner against him, the Bible says. In fact, the Bible says the Lord is our banner. I think he's Yahweh and his sin, right? And his sin. Something like that. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's just pray. We're going to continue with the final verses next week. Hallelujah. Thank you, my Father. Abba, Father, we thank you this morning that you are the shepherd of the flock. We thank you you are the shepherd of Israel. We thank you the shepherd of the church, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you are our shepherd. Lord, we thank you for your protection. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for your blessing, Father God. We thank you for your peace, Lord. We thank you we can look to you, we can trust in you, Lord. You call us to do that, Lord. Even when we don't understand the path that we're on, Lord. Even if we're not, we're not, we're feeling intimidated by the circumstances we find ourselves in. Lord, we look to you. That your rod and your staff, they comfort us. Lord, because they are there for our benefit. And we thank you, Lord. And I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning. I'm just going to pray right now. If any of you feel as though you're in one of those valleys of the shadow of death, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. It doesn't matter what it is you're going through. If you feel intimidated, you feel it's a, deep, a, a, a valley of deep darkness, I want to pray with you this morning. Just where you're standing. So if you want to stand to your feet, if you identify with that. If not, praise God. Praise God. You can be assured at one time you will become familiar and acquainted with the valley of the shadow of death at some point. That's not curse, that's the reality of it, folks. Hallelujah. What else this morning? You feel as though you're going through that valley of deep darkness for whatever reason, you feel intimidated, uncertain, vulnerable. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The first thing to do this morning is to say, keep your eyes fixed upon him. Keep your ears attentive to him, to whatever he's commanding you, whatever he's telling you. In uncharted territory, if you want, Lord, Lord, we worship and honor your name this morning, Lord, for these people or the sheep of your pasture or the sheep of your flock, those who belong to you, who are marked by you, Lord, Lord and who are listening and following you, though it's a difficult path to walk right now, and though, Lord, there is a valley, Lord, and there are many places where they feel intimidated and, and, and unsure, Lord. Lord, it may be a bit of confusion, but Lord, I just pray that they will be sensitive to the voice of your Holy Spirit as you lead them through. They will be comforted, Lord, by the fact that you are with them, whether they feel it or not, Lord. You have promised to be with them, Lord, in every season until the very end of the age, Lord. And Lord, that your rod and your staff will comfort them. They will look to you, Lord, for their protection. 
for their deliverance, Lord, and not to anyone else, not to any man, Lord, but to you, Lord. Lord, just pray for them that they will know strength this morning of grace. And Lord, that they will know that the valley lasts but for a season. Lord, that they will come through, Father. They will come through different change, transform, strengthen. All in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Keep walking. Keep going. Yeah, you know, I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. He's with you. He's not left you. He's not abandoned you. He's with you. Amen. Hallelujah. He's a faithful 